Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And I loved it that Linda read from Revelation 5. It just confirmed that this was the direction that I was supposed to go. Like I have nearly every service in the, that I've preached in the last week, I have tried to get away from this passage, and I've always had another sermon in my heart. And uh, last night, I was in my dreams. I, I, came, I woke up, and I had like 10 sermons from the dreams that I had last night that I, have, that I did some quick research on that I'm going to table for later. And every time as I'm praying and saying, God, what would you have me bring? He brings me back to Revelation chapter 1. And so four uh, services in a row in Cuba, I preached from Revelation chapter 1. And I'm going to preach this a little bit differently perhaps this morning. Bob, you can tell them if it was different or not. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm believing for God to work in you and uh, uh, both, both to you, in you, and through you this morning. And I'm believing God uh, to to uh, bless this word. And so let's pray together before we read from verse 4. Father, there is already an anointing upon your word. You have exalted your word. God, throughout history, as men were writing your word, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then you protected your word through the councils and through the different means by which the word of God came together. You protected it. And God, your hand is upon it. And God, it's your word today that, that we honor and we give you reverence in Jesus' name. God, transform us, change us. God, if there is a whole smorgasbord of things that you want us to take away, we will take that away. God, if there is just one truth that you want us to take away today, we will latch on to that, God, and we will allow your word to transform us and to change us in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said again, amen. I'm going to start in verse 4 and just read three verses, verses 4 through 6 this morning. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, who washed us from our sins in his own blood, which we celebrated together, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Isn't that a powerful passage of scripture? John on the island of Patmos, uh, imprisoned there for his testimony in Jesus Christ, and receives a revelation there in the place of hardship that uh, really is unparalleled in, in, in fact, in, in all of the scriptures, it is perhaps the most, one of the most detailed revelations, one of the most detailed impartations that was given to any prophet 
uh, in, in all of the, the scriptures at one time. And so John, on the island of Patmos, suffering, has this incredible encounter with God. And I, I, it just reminds me that it, when I'm in moments of suffering, and when I'm in moments of difficulty, and when I feel alone, and when I feel like there's nobody that understands what I'm going through, or I'm cut off from communication from other believers, and they're not really where I'm at today, I want you to know that God knows where you're at today, and there is a reason why you are there. John on the island of Patmos receives a revelation of Jesus Christ that changes his life again, again, and now he carried something new uh, to bring to the churches as uh, he got off the island of Patmos eventually and brought this message to the churches that were there in, in the, the current day Turkey. And uh, at this point in my message, I want to stop a moment because I was going, I was thinking about preaching from Matthew chapter 24 because of the, the things that are happening in the earth today. Jesus is getting ready to return. And I'm going to get to that point when it says, and who is to come. Maybe I'll just preach that one right now. Jesus is getting ready to return, and we're watching it in the earth. What's happening in Turkey right now, 45,000 people have died and earthquakes coming about in various places. Uh, Matthew chapter 24 says, Jesus is coming back. We should get ready to look up. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I have felt it the last three years. The earth is in chaos. The world is in chaos, but at the same time, there are incredible things that are happening. I am privileged to announce that, that we have given $500 to Convoy of Hope, and if you would like to add to that, we will be glad to funnel that as Convoy of Hope is on the ground in Turkey ministering the love of Jesus right now. That Don and Diane White, the missionaries that we support from Turkey, are on the ground right now ministering to people that need it. In, in, and uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy about that. And I want to give the Lord praise for that right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I would like us right now, uh, before I go any further, to lift up the nation of Turkey and to pray in Jesus' name that, that God would minister and move and that this tragedy would somehow turn into an opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ to move forward. Let's lift up our voices together to the Lord right now in Jesus' name. God, we call out to you. We call out to you. Oh my God, we call out to you in the name of Jesus. We call out to you. God, this world that's in chaos, come, come and minister. Cause your church to shine in this hour and in this moment. 
in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. God, we call out to you uh, this morning in Jesus' name. And we thank you, God, for moving mightily in the nation of Turkey. God, as this tragedy has come, and they're even now still discovering bodies, God, we, we just are crying out to you for help. We're asking you to come alongside broken and hurting families. We're asking you, Lord, to open up the door for the gospel of Jesus Christ in the nation of Turkey. We're asking you to crack that Muslim nation open in revival. God, we're asking that Christians would shine right now in this time, hallelujah, that many would come into the kingdom. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, for our missionaries, Don and Diane White. And we pray that you would empower them, that you would empower them in Jesus' name in this moment. In this moment, God, let them not become weary in well-doing, but may they feel the strength and the grace to rise up in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so John receives this revelation and begins to write to the churches in Asia. And the first thing that he does is he tells us who God is. And the first, uh, the first description of God that I want to remind us about is that God is the God of all grace. Hallelujah. And he starts the letter like Paul starts his letters and like Peter starts his letters, grace to you in peace. Uh, but the reason that they start their letters like that is because God is the God of all grace. Praise God. Grace is the power by which you can stand, by which you can make it through this week. Grace is the vehicle by which you are saved. You are saved uh, by grace through faith. Hallelujah. Grace is uh Grace is the, the, the thing that God gives us when we don't think we can make it anymore. He imparts to us more grace. It's His strength operating in your life and His power operating in your life. When you don't have enough, that's okay because God does. Hallelujah. And today He can give you grace. And uh, I love what Peter wrote. May the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, may he perfect you, may he establish you, may he strengthen you, and may he settle you. He does this because he is the God of grace. Can we give him praise this morning for being the God of grace in our lives? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And secondly, there, there's a quite a few points to this message. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. Number two, not only is he the God of all grace, he is the God of all peace. He's the God of all peace. And peace is that, that entity that God imparts into your life that no man can erase. The peace of God passes all understanding. It guards your heart. And, and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God keeps you when nothing else should 
keep you. The peace of God keeps you when you're in prison, like Paul and Silas, singing hymns to the Lord, their backs bloodied and having been beaten. And it was the peace of God that surrounded them. I'm thanking God that He is the God of all peace. And Paul wrote this, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Oh, praise the Lord. Under your feet. I love Melissa's testimony. She's from Michigan, and she joined our team in Cuba, and her testimony that she shared was this. She said, when I was five years old, my parents taught me that I could crush the devil under my feet. <laughs> that was her testimony as a young person. And aren't you thankful this morning that, the, that you are not powerless against the enemy? You don't have to just succumb to everything that the devil throws your way. Oh, life is just so tough and it's so difficult and it, it's just impossible. And I, I declare over you the peace of God and I declare over you the God of peace, the one that will give you victory after victory and crush the enemy under your feet. We may suffer for a short season. Here on the earth, we will have trouble. One of the promises Jesus made that I don't like. But he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. The peace of God. The peace of God. The peace of God. That's going into somebody this morning. Lord, let the peace of God and the God of peace touch every heart, touch every life in the name of Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. And then he is the God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it up just because it makes more sense to me. He's the God who was. He's the God who was. He's, he's the God of the past. He spoke John 1. And the world came into existence. He made the heavens and the earth. After the fall of man, he slain the, the, the lamb so that Adam and Eve could be clothed. He's the God who was. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our forefathers. He's the God that provided for, for Abraham as, I, as he was about to slay his son. He's the God who was. Jehovah Jireh. You fast forward through the history of Israel. And he was the God of Joshua. Who, who crossed the, the, the Jordan River and took the nations that were before him. The nations that were bigger and stronger than them. But by the power of God, they took them. Because he's the God that was. And then he raised up, later on, he raised up the, the, the judges that, that kept bringing the, the nation of Israel back to God because he's the God that was. Then he raised up the king, uh, the kings, and ultimately King David, who Jesus came from. He's the God that was. Jesus came to the earth as, as a man through the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, shed his blood on the cross, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the God that was. 
And on the third day, praise God, we're in the, we're in the Lent season right now. On the third day, as we, we look to the cross, on the third day, Jesus came out of the tomb alive forevermore. Hallelujah. He's the God that was. And some people, and I believe that some Christians, you know what they serve? They serve the God that was. Their testimony is all about the things that God used to do. I thank God when I was 13 years old, He came into my life. He changed me. He's the God that was. He washed me. He's the God that was. When I was, uh, when I was 19 years old in college, I broke my foot and needed a cast, but He came and He fused those bones back together instantaneously and healed my foot wholly, hallelujah, in a moment. And for me, that's the God that was. That's the God that was. And it's powerful to remember the, the God that was, the things that He did. But it's only powerful, that, not just because He's the God that was, but because He is the God who is right now. Hallelujah. Oh, my testimony in Him is not just what happened yesterday or yester week or yester month or yester year or last month. He is the God that is in my life right now, today. Hallelujah. When I woke up today, the presence of the Lord was all over me. I had had a dream last night that, that maybe I'll share sometime. I think some messages are going to come out of that moment that I had with the Lord. There was... Oh, I'm not going to get into that this morning. Um, he's the God that is. And friend, uh, if you have strayed away, if you've gotten lukewarm in your life, you need to remember that God is not the God of yesterday only. He's the God of today. He works on your behalf right now. He's the God that is. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. It means that whatever you're walking through right now, that, that you... Uh, that, that you have Jesus walking through it with you, with you, with you. Praise the Lord. God's people are not alone. God's people are not alone. He's the God who is. And that's why you get, can have faith for testimonies. That's why you can have faith for miracles. That's why you can have faith, believe in God to deliver you because he's the God that is. Glory to God. And he's the God that is to come. I'm not going to spend time on that one this morning as, as uh, I've already shared, but take note as to what's happening in the world. Jesus is getting ready to come back. Do you notice that we've been calling out to God to awaken churches across our nation? And he's beginning to work. He's beginning to work. I'm asking the question right now. Because what's happening in our, in our college campuses, and it's not just Asbury. It's now like 25 different campuses where there is a strong movement of revival happening and uh, so my, my my thought towards that is this i know that it's real friends is this 
the one that we're praying for. I'm growing in anticipation. There's not any leader of this thing. There's not any one person that's in charge of it. The Holy Spirit is working in people, and he's encountering with people. People that have been walking with Jesus for a long time are encountering with Jesus and going, whoa, I did need to repent. And they're coming back to God, and, and they're, they're finding, I can't get away from prayer, and I can't get away from worship. And he is working. There is an awakening that's happening across our nation. There is an awakening happening inside of me. I watch these live streams and I go, oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I'm praying into it. And everywhere I hear it's happening, I'm praying for the leadership that's making the decisions, what, what, how to handle this, how to, how to, how to uh, facilitate what God is doing. May they hear from you, God. And I'm praying and I'm believing God and I'm saying, God, fan us into flame. It's an amazing thing that, uh, you know, because I've been thinking about this. The, you know, the house of prayer in Kansas City, they've been having day and night prayer for over 20 years. And one school has day and night prayer for four days and captures the nation. It capture, captures the nation. Captures the nation. So much so that newscasters were doing specials on what's happening in Kentucky. Town of 5,000 people. And now 10,000 people are coming to, to visit the revival, including some from Lincoln. And God knows how to capture a nation. He can do it in a heartbeat. He's awakening because he's getting ready to return. And I believe that, that all these things, the chaos of the nations, all of these things are, are adding up to one thing. Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back. He's the God that is to come. And I, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. Don't ever feel sorry for me, for me getting older. You can feel sorry for my wife. She's like, I don't want <laughs> Not me. I'm looking forward. I want to be 50. And then in its proper time, I want to be 60. And I want to be 70 and 80 and 90. And just a just a little secular note. I never watch The Masked Singer. I've never watched it in my life. I got a real kick out of, uh, out of last week's as Dick Van Dyke stepped out of that costume. And he's 97 years old, and he started dancing to supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And he said, you know what? I live every day happy. And uh, you know, that you, you may or may not agree with me bringing in bringing him into my sermon, but I am looking forward to getting older because it means I'm closer to the destiny that God has for me in heaven. Hallelujah. I'm that much closer and I'm looking forward to it. Praise God. Uh, that, that day when I'm going to stand before him, my striving is over. My work in the field is done. I have finished everything that God has called me to do. My race comes to an end and I take up that place in heaven, the crown of glory that he has for me. I am looking forward, not backward. Praise God.
Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Well, I'm excited about it anyway. He's the God that is to come. From the seven spirits who are before his throne. When Linda read that from Revelation chapter 5, she read one of the four times in the book of Revelation where it talks about the seven spirits of God. These seven spirits are not a, you know, like we have, they're not a trinity. I wouldn't even know how to say it with the number seven. The seven entity. (laughs) There's not seven gods that we serve. But it's important. The number of completion. The seven spirits of God are the Holy Spirit. In a number of times, you'll see seven eyes on a, on a heavenly creature or being or on the lamb. The number seven is the number of completion. And I believe it's referring to Isaiah chapter 11. And I would like us to, to, to turn uh, to Isaiah chapter 11. And I want us to... Uh, I want us to... Look at verse 2. I want us to see the seven spirits of God. These are seven descriptions, seven characteristics, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a cosmic power. The Holy Spirit is not just the one that gives me goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is a person that wants you to know him and wants you to interact with him. Jesus called him a teacher. Jesus called him a comforter. Jesus called the Holy Spirit many times different things that he would come. And when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, initially, we're filled with his presence. We feel his power in us, and he gives us a prayer language, and we begin to pray in tongues, which is a mystery, but what a huge, huge blessing. We sometimes stop right there and say, well, the, the Spirit of God gives me power to, to do things. Well, then there's the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. They're all Spirit things, but we limit the Spirit to what He does. But the, the Holy Spirit is a person that wants you to get to know Him. And so when John says uh, greetings, and he says grace... Grace from the seven spirits who are before the throne of God, I believe it's a direct reference to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2, which says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This, this, this is the abiding Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord that abides with you. And so, like Samson, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him and then lift off come upon him and then lift off. 
But for you and me, Isaiah chapter 11 is fulfilled and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us just like he came upon Jesus at his baptism. And, and when Jesus left that baptism, the Holy Spirit did not leave. When the Holy Spirit fills you, the Holy Spirit does not lift off of you. So it's not like this. It's not like, well, the Holy Spirit comes upon Pastor Darren when he leads worship and when he preaches, and then when he steps off the platform, the Spirit of God leaves. No. The Spirit of God abides in you. And Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord would abide in you forever. Hallelujah. And so you are walking with the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of abiding. Secondly, and I'm not going to take as much time on all of these, but He's the Spirit of wisdom. He, and, and, and thirdly, the Spirit of understanding. Uh, fourthly, the Spirit of counsel. Those three kind of work together, but, but He relates with you as you navigate this life. He gives you the understanding that you need. He gives you the wisdom that you need. He gives you the counsel that you need in the moment that you need it if you will lean upon Him. Oh, the Holy Spirit is better than Google. Right? Right? I always told my kids, you know, you used to ask me questions. Now they ask Google. Especially when they think I'm wrong. <laughs> Which does happen, by the way. Not very often. No, that's not true. The Holy Spirit lead you in the direction that you should go. And he walks with you. And he guides you. And sometimes he works even with your emotions. Whispers into your ear. This is the way. Walk in it. We know when we've crossed the Holy Spirit, we feel him not leaving us, but we feel him grieving, calling us back to him. Holy Spirit. Spirit of might. There it is, the power of God. I love what Bob read. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. The second church that we were in in, in Cuba Felt led at the end. I thought the service was all over and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, I want you to pray over the worship team. And so I, I, I call out the worship team and all those with instruments and we prayed and then our, our interpreter, Pastor Josue, uh, felt led of the Lord to have them all get in a circle and hold hands and prayed over them the unity of the Holy Spirit. Neither one of us knew that division was happening in that worship team. And God broke that off and brought deliverance to the entire church that morning. That's the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. And we give praise to the Lord for that. The Spirit of knowledge and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. They are before the throne of Jesus. 
from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the faithful witness, the faithful witness. We need to listen to him more. Amen. John 10, it says, my sheep know me. They listen to my voice. It says, another, they will not follow. He's the faithful witness. He will tell you what you need to hear. He will be honest with you. His is the word that you need for your life. Let every man be a liar, but God is not a liar. God is true. His word, his word is true and will be faithful in your life. We've got to be people that listen to him. You need time in your day where you turn off the voices and you listen to God. You listen to God. Thank you, Jesus. You listen to God. He's the firstborn from among the dead. And by firstborn, that means there's going to be many others. Hallelujah. This is why you don't have to worry about death. Death is the passing of, uh, from one, to, one place to another. And Jesus conquered it. He's the firstborn from among the dead. And we are going to follow in his footsteps. Hallelujah. I give praise to the Lord for that. Um, he overcame sin and the grave, and he came out of the tomb and was born from among the dead so that you and I could follow him. Praise Jesus. He's the ruler over the kings of the earth. He's the God who loves you. He's the God who loves you. Tell your neighbor right now, God hasn't quit loving you. God hasn't quit loving you. God has not given up on you. You get involved with the wrong friends, doing the wrong things in the wrong places the wrong times, but God does not give up on you. He still loves you because his love is unconditional. Just declare that to your neighbor right now. His love is unconditional. It's unconditional because he's the God of love. Isn't this a great passage? He's the God of grace. He's the God of peace. He's the God of love. And the greatest of, of all these things, in fact, the greatest force in the, in the universe is the God, who lo who, uh, the God of love. He's the God who loves us. Hallelujah. And he expressed that love to us. And we celebrated this. He washed us from our sin. Glory to God. He cleanses us and he knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. 
And what you have been washed from, he has separated from you as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember it anymore. You remember it, but God has the power to forget. He forgets it when it's under the blood. He remembers it no more. It is gone. Hallelujah. Now the enemy will bring it up to you. He will bring it up to you again and again and again and again. And when he brings it up to you, you come under the blood uh, all over again. And you thank God that the blood that washed me from that thing the devil's reminded me of, he washed me from it then, and I'm washed from it now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. He has washed us from our sins. And this is the great God that we serve. He did it by shedding his own blood. Glory to God. Woo! Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now when I preached this in Cuba, I preached all of that in five minutes even with the translator to get to the next part. He has made us kings and priests. Before he could make you a king and a priest, he had to wash you in his blood. You had to realize his love for you. And now he wants to position you as a king and as a priest. Now let me take three minutes to where I took 40 minutes to talk about kings and priests there. Let me take three or four minutes here. The king that Jesus wants you to be is under his kingship. He's the king of kings. And uh, it speaks of the authority that he has given to you in Matthew 16. And I say that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I have given you the keys of the kingdom. And according to Jack Hayford, it better says this. What you have seen the Father bind in heaven, bind on earth. Whoa. What you have seen the Father loose in heaven... Loose on earth. That's your authority. And Jesus operated in that. I don't speak the words that I speak. I speak what I've heard the Father speak. I don't do the word, do the things that, that I'm doing just to do them. I do what I've seen the Father do. What was he doing? He was operating his, in his authority as king. And when you see the Father bind addiction in your children, you can bind that spirit in your children. And, and so it, what, what does it require to operate as a king? To, it, it, it requires you to recognize your authority and to be in tight relationship with the Father. Praise God. Exercise your authority. Exercise your authority. And secondly, you are a priest. Peter says that you are a royal priesthood. I like the next part, a peculiar people. We, we all know that. 
but you're a royal priesthood. Jesus, the King of Kings, Jesus, the high priest over us, the one that stands between in the Old Testament with sacrifices and prayers because the people could not go direct to God, but in the New Testament through intercession, standing between God and man, standing between God and man, calling them to each other, starting with intercession, but also moving out into evangelism to create encounters between God and man. That's the role of the priest, the in-between one. You've been born again, not just so that you can go to heaven, but so that you can be a link between somebody else that needs to be born again. Kings and priests. People wonder, well, what is my calling? Your calling is high. Your calling is not some basement calling that, that you, you get shoved in the back corner that God never, never trusts anything with. He's called you to be a king and a priest. This God of, of, of grace, this God of peace, this God of love, this God that that was and is and is to come. This God that has, has given you the seven spirits of God filled you with Him. Wants you to take your place as a king and a priest in His kingdom. It's a high calling. It's a high calling. To Him be glory and honor and dominion and power and might forever and ever and ever. Praise the Lord.